Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of The Checkup with Chris Bolton. It's your boy, Chris Bolton. We're back at it again with another pod. Hope everybody had a nice and safe 4th of July weekend. Uh, just, we got Miss Rona out here in the streets. Got to be careful. Like Marshawn Lynch said, take care of your chickens. I know he was talking about money, but I need y'all to take care of y'all health as well. So please, everybody, keep your mask on, be safe, and continue trying to make... If you don't be safe for yourself, be safe for others, you know? At least be considerate of of other people. Put a mask on. We're trying to do the best we can so we can have sports. Now, we're going to continue our series of being a general manager, Um, you know, what we would do if we were a GM, what I would do if I was a GM of these teams. And next on the list is the New York Knicks. And to help me put on my GM suit and tie and help me to be the best GM I can for the Knicks, we have an extremely special guest for us. Now, let me go ahead and get straight to the introduction. Of course, you guys might know I'm, I'm, I've been previewing this, but I'm going to go ahead and give him the his rightly introduction right here. Senior NBA producer at the Action Network. He is also the staff writer for Fox Sports. He is a staff writer for Fox Sports. He is the first name that comes to mind when you think of NBA Twitter. The first name. He is he is the man of NBA Twitter. He is the meme god himself. He is one of the top 10 names that comes to mind when he thinks Nick basketball. He is right above Stephon Marbury, right above Starberry, right below John Starks. John Starks still comes to mind first before you think of this man. But he is in the top 10. He is a man of many names. If you're a Game of Thrones fan, he is, in a sense, the Manny Face God. He's going by LaWob James, Kristaps Wabzingas, Mitchell Robinson, Wobbinson Tenacumpo. He has many names. He is the worldwide Wob, Rob Perez. Thank you for joining us. Okay, first of all, I got to say that was, remember in Rocky Four when Apollo Creed ascends down from the, or he comes through the stage and they, <laughs> the King of Sting, the Count of Monte Fisto, and the guy's got like 12 names that he's got to live up to right before he gets knocked out and killed. So I'm like, oh my goodness, I got to live up to all of these. Cut you off if you said I was above John Starks, because that's my personal hero. We had this before we went live. We were talking about 90 stuff. I grew up with John Starks. He'll always be my favorite player. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm thank you for the compliments here. But um, <laughs> but John Starks is like royalty for any 90s Knicks fan kids such as myself. But much appreciated and happy to be here. And also, you said we were talking about counting your chickens. Do yes. that. Do that figuratively. I understand the what that means figuratively, but also literally too, because <laughs> I, I mean, isn't this like how this all started? Was with like pigs and farm animals? I don't know, man. Right, just like, right. please just take care of your livestock if you're out there. Thank you. Please, please do, please do. Thank you for joining us, my man. The, now, before we get into the GM talk and how we're going to try to, you know, make the best of the Knicks right now, just tell me. How did you suffer the misfortune of becoming a Knicks fan? I know it's not been good for your mental health growing up. Oh, man. So this all of a sudden has turned into one of my famous therapy sessions where I kind of just have to like vent and uh, uh, confess, you know, more so than defend the Knicks because it's almost impossible to defend them, especially with some of the stuff that they've been doing recently. But, you know, I got hooked on them because, again, being a 90s kid, 
The Knicks were really good in the 90s. They were like the team. I mean, they're, they're the bad boys that could actually score. I loved them being the, the Oakland Raiders of basketball in a sense. Like you could not go down the paint against these guys and not come up without your jersey soaked in blood. So whether it was right. Xavier McDaniel, Anthony Mason, John Starks, even the guys like Derek Harper, before you got to the big names of Charles Oakley and Patrick Ewing, I was just in love with what this team was and represented and you knew they weren't the best team either. Like they were really good, but Michael Jordan and the Bulls were the team. So I never, like, I don't like the Yankees. I don't like Manchester United. I don't like the big names that kind of just are the the empires. I always like the little stepbrothers, what was right. Manchester the City. Teams that are on the cusp <laughs> that can give those teams a challenge. Right, right. And just growing up in the New York area era during the 90s, there was no social media. There was no Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. You could there was no league pass. You couldn't watch and fall in love with the Chicago Bulls unless they were on national television. So New York Knicks were New York's team that I was just raised with. And you add up all those things, the volatility of John Starks, who's the original J.R. Smith, my current favorite player. You know, just the, the roller coaster of going up and down with him, not knowing what you were going to get. Uh, my parents both worked for NBC Sports just in a very you know basic sales role. So that was when they had the NBA. Mm -hmm. And I just got to go to, you know, oh yeah, oh, that's a whole nother podcast, my friend. But, um, you know, I've lived, I'm going gray at the, now at the age of 32. And I account half of these gray hairs to just following Knicks games, man. I think any Knicks fan can agree with that. Uh, they just find a way to, once I thought I was out, they pull me back in. Uh, that's what the Knicks do best. So it's, I'm a dog chasing cars is the answer to your question. The thrill has been the chase. I don't know what I'd do if I actually caught it. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. I'm pretty sure this past season they added some more gray hairs to you. Um, just, of course. Just tell me, you know, what's your overall impression of this Knicks team right now? Believe it or not, I mean, the Knicks are really easy to make fun of. And it's the, the, how you make fun of them is so easy, all the way up from ownership down to the X's and O's of basketball itself and everything in between. Um, I, I get it. I totally get it. And the Knicks probably deserve it. They haven't been relevant other than a couple of Carmelo Anthony years and a week during Lynn's sanity for almost two decades now. Another podcast. Uh, another, yeah, we should might as well just create a series around the Knicks. It, it would do numbers for you. They say Knicks for clicks for a reason. So, um, All right, so let's answer your question here. The current state of the Knicks, believe it or not, I am actually optimistic. And a lot of people listening to this are probably going to think, oh, here comes a biased Knicks fan trying to like hype off something that doesn't exist. Well, let me tell you why it's a little bit different now. Because in years past, the Knicks would do this thing that They've actually been decent at drafting all the way back to, let's say, the Landry Fields days. Um, I could go through years and years of picks, whether it was, I don't say his name anymore, but number six on Dallas. There's there's I, I could give you five to ten picks as to why it was a good pick for the New York Knicks. Now, what they end up doing is once they get these good picks, they end up spinning them and trying to turn them into future and potential, like pairing them with veterans so that they can clear cap space to go get LeBron James or Kevin Durant. And then it just doesn't work out. So the Knicks have never actually stuck to the plan of growing talent from within, giving them a second contract and seeing if this talent that you drafted may actually pan out. Because if you expect them to be a Zion Williamson or a Luka Doncic and be a first-year All-Star, I'm sorry to tell you this, but there's only two of those guys that have existed in like the last five years out of a pool of 150. These guys need time. They're 19 years old. They need years to develop. And believe it or not, players can become better. 
Right. And I almost want to spin this back on you, Chris, real quick, because here's a trivia question for you. Do you know the last Ooh. New York Nick, the last New York, this is a fact, the last New York Nick to get a second contract from the Knicks, who was also drafted by the Knicks. So I'm talking about someone that's on a rookie deal that got an extension. Do you know who that player is? Oh, that's a good question. Let's it's see. a good fact to know. It, just take a wild guess because you're never going to get it. <laughs> oh man um hmm could it be a mike sweetney not obviously oh, not number six on dallas you know right it's not it's, oh man no, who is it who is it in, in like the answer is charlie ward the last new york nick to get a second deal from the team and the reason why i'm telling you this is just a testament to the fact that the new york knicks do not ride out the talent that they develop in draft and that goes on the front office that can go on ownership because they have bigger I, they have bigger hopes of uh getting a lebron or a durant and they'll sell their young guys short just for a chance at it so they get the cap space and all that kind of stuff but for almost 20 years now the new york, like almost 20 years yeah, Lord, more more than almost 20 years the new york knicks have not extended a player that they've drafted so they have been great at maybe identifying talent because i can certainly argue these players are good but managing the talent holy crap uh, like they're, strike they're, at strike three strike nine man they're that they're that guy who can can get to find girlfriends but can't keep her <laughs> we do a lot of one night stands that's a really good comparison we do a lot of one night stands and then we follow up to see if they want to go out for a second day and they kind of just disappear whether that's <laughs> and it's mostly our fault too because we do something stupid whether it's posting on instagram something that she sees that she doesn't like, you know, we could go down this road forever. Um, it'll hit too close to home. But the, the 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 story here is that the Knicks have actually done two, like in the year 2020, between RJ Barrett, mm-hmm. that's just Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. I know people don't like Kevin Knox, but I'm still going to fall back on the fact that he's barely 20 years old. So you have the likes of Kevin Knox out there. Knicks have Frank Nilakina is at the end of his experiment as well, but they have four to five young guys that they have not traded yet that are almost at the end of their deals that fans plead with the coaching staff, like stop playing Taj Gibson and Marcus Morris when he was on the team. Like we know we're not going to make the playoffs, so we might as well get these young guys until they can't run anymore. Get them out there and let's see if that helps their expedite their development. The Knicks, to their credit, have not traded these dudes yet. So it appears that they are building through the draft. They have draft equity coming up big time from the Dallas Mavericks in the number six on Dallas trade. Mm -hmm. So they've got future draft picks. It appears that the Knicks may actually be building through the draft, which takes five to seven years. But when you're the New York Knicks, you play in Madison Square Garden, you play in the Mecca of basketball, and you have all this pressure just to make the playoffs. That's probably the reason why they haven't been able to stick to it. I will give them credit for the past couple seasons. They seem committed to keeping their cap space open. No long-term commitments to guys that are not, don't have a future. Like Julius Randle has potential. We kind of know what he is, but he's young. He's not overpaid and he has potential. So I'm okay with that contract. But the Derek, the Joe Kim Noah's, the Jerome James, the Allen Houston contracts, those appear to be in the rearview mirror for the New York Knicks. And it's a very low bar, Chris, but it appears that the Knicks have finally cleared it. It's very refreshing, though. I mean, it's, it's baby steps. It's baby steps. You got you got to take them as they come. Yeah, I, I, I shouldn't be celebrating something that should be so obvious, which is a theme which resonates throughout society today, July, 
whatever it is, 2020. But it is what it is, man. Like progress is progress. And sometimes any way you can get it, it should be expected. But here we are. And I, I am going to applaud the Knicks despite their many discrepancies and things they do incorrectly. In terms of managing a basketball roster and building towards the future, they seem to actually be doing it. We kind of believe that they were doing it during the Danilo Gallinari, David Lee, Landry Fields team. Mm-hmm. That was like super fun, awesome, freewheeling. Jared Jeffries is on that team with like no back. Chandler. Wilson Chan, like all these guys were young coming up and Knicks fans loved this team, Chris. We loved that team. That was they were team. barely 500, but they were so fun and they were full of potential. And then they all got traded for Carmelo Anthony. So there you go, right? Like we finally proved that these assets are worth something and Mozgov, all those guys get traded and uh, Carmelo was great. He brought us to the playoffs and all, but that's just what the Knicks do. So yeah. I, it's hard for me to believe they're not going to do it again. Now, speaking of <clears throat> building towards the future and everything, who are some of the, the building blocks you feel like that the Knicks can build around? Some of the, the untouchables you'll say right now on this roster that you would like to see them continue to uh, build a solid team around? I will say that the only, the only untouchable for a guy that can win you a championship. So I would say there's probably seven guys in the NBA that if they're on your roster, regardless of who the other players are, you can win a title. Let's, I, I, I would need time to brainstorm this, but whether it's Giannis, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, I'd say that Kawhi Leonard, there's probably seven guys that you can say, if you have them, you're a title contender instantly. Right. I would say then everyone on the New York Knicks roster is open to be traded. That includes RJ Barrett for one of those seven guys. But at the very top of that list is going head and heels, even above RJ Barrett is Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson has proved to be this Tyson Chandler. Only Knicks fans can really appreciate this because no one else cares because we stink and I don't blame you. But Mitchell Robinson does things that would put your jaw on the floor, like athletically, physically. He blocks three pointers. That should not be a sentence which comes out of anybody's mouth. He blocks three pointers regularly just because he can jump 18 feet in the air. He gets every single rebound. He cleans the glass, can out jump anybody. He's just an absolute freak of nature when it comes to basketball athleticism and physics so his potential is higher than anyone that's on this Knicks roster or any young player that kind of flies under the radar I wouldn't trade him for anyone other than those seven players and of course you have RJ Barrett who's out there he's still technically a teenager I think even today right Um, and he goes out there and yeah he's raw his jump shot needs work he can he's barely above 60 percent from the foul line but all of these things are fixable over time he has proved even at his age that he can be out there as a grown man and close out nba teams he's done it a couple times this season the knicks don't win many games but when rj barrett has the ball in his hands everybody knows he's going left and you can't stop it anyway so our, despite all of that despite being a rookie not going up against these guys and dudes that are bigger and more athletic than him because he plays under the rim a lot He's still able to succeed at this incredibly young age. So despite him not being, he's going to get compared to John Morant and Zion Williamson for the rest of his career. They're further along at this very moment in terms of being NBA ready. But I am very happy with what I've seen out of him. And I think he can be a very good NBA player in the near future. So you're looking at those two guys. I hope Frank Nilakina gets more more playtime and engagement just because he doesn't seem to find his way into the rotation and the Knicks feel like they're going to give up on him. I hope not because he's really good, uh, really talented, and a special defender. I think there's a role for him. Kevin Knox needs the ball in his hands a little bit more and stop being just this Ray Allen baseline to baseline jump shooter. 
Um, and this is all going to come over time as long as they keep getting getting PT. But if you trot out Alfred Payton and Taj Gibson for 35 minutes, it's going to be hard to do that. Right. Um, but those are my building blocks probably moving forward. It's funny that you mentioned Mitchell Robinson in um, <clears throat> some of my earlier pods. I'm a Warriors fan, and I mentioned that say must the be Knicks, nice. <laughs> say the Knicks get like the seventh pick, and the Warriors get the number one overall pick, and the Knicks want to jump up to take Lamelo or something. Just throw in Mitchell Robinson, and we can we can make that deal happen. I'm pretty sure that will hurt your feelings, though. Uh, I mean. I'm not going to make comparisons to the protests that are currently on, but you saw people in the streets. And if you want to get Knicks fans in the streets, my friend, just bring up the name Mitchell Robinson. That's it. Like It's the only guy that we care about because everyone sees just what he's po- Tyson Chandler that can stretch the floor. I'm talking like Tyson Chandler that was on the Bulls. I'm talking like the crazy, uh, not even the defensive Young player of the bouncy. year, Tyson Chandler. I'm yeah. talking about the bouncy Tyson Chandler that was like defying, that would have led all sorts of mixtapes on House of Highlights and YouTubes uh, if it existed when he came into the league. Uh, Mitchell Robinson's already there in terms of things that he can do for you as a big man. And the the true center, it's an endangered species Mm -hmm. in today's NBA, right? Mitchell Robinson can be a true center because he's just so absurdly athletic. And I'm sure that's going to go away at some point because Father Time is undefeated. But as of this moment, you can't sell me on a ceiling for him at any point. Got to use that bad boy now while he's got it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's really great. And he's just somebody who, once he gets the foul trouble situation handled, the sky is the limit for him. So he's definitely an important piece for the Knicks moving forward. Now, what are the top team needs you feel like that need to be addressed um, for the Knicks? Point guard. I mean, point guard, point guard. The Knicks haven't had a point guard since Charlie Ward. I, I go through the list. The best point guard since Charlie Ward. We did the all-decade teams on a show on SNY a couple months ago. The all-decade team was led by Raymond Felton. <laughs> I'm not even like Chris Childs, Charlie Ward. These are like the best point guards the Knicks have Ooh. had other than a couple weeks of insanity. Yeah. I'm sure if you're just talking about the peaks, yeah, Jeremy Lin would be at the top of that. But you got to play an 82-game season here. Right. The Knicks just have never had any any difference maker at the point guard position. If I have to hear the name Chris Duhon, one and don't come to me with Steph Marbury either. Like I, I, he's a New Yorker, people love him, but he's not winning you anything. Hey, 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 hey. no Chris Duhon slander on this podcast. Okay, we're, we're, we're this is a Duke man right here. Oh no, dude, are you kidding me? <laughs> I, well, if I knew that, I probably would have I would have deferred this podcast. You're talking to a Tar Heel alum. <laughs> There will be plenty. There will be Duke slander on this podcast, but yeah, Chris Duhon, even at the NBA level, did not translate. So um, the, the Knicks have always been just absent of a playmaker at point guard. They've had game managers. They just haven't had any difference makers. So if I'm looking to the draft here, it's probably the least top heavy draft that I've seen in a decade. And by that, I mean, there is no standout number one overall pick. There's no Zion. There's mm-hmm. no uh, like hell. There's no I mean, Anthony I, I, Davis. No yeah, there's no Anthony Towns. Davis, no Carl Anthony Towns. Even I know Luka Doncic didn't go first, but like a standout uh, talent that everyone was like, you got to find a way to get him. Um, it, it's names like Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, Killian Hayes. I don't know if any of those guys do anything for how the Knicks are currently built, though, because RJ, you got you get plenty of wing players. All the Knicks did was just sign every stretch power forward on the board this past summer. 
Like, I know they traded Marcus Morris, but they don't need another wing player. What we need is someone to supplement and make those wing players better. And there are two names on the board that are going to, one of them is going to fall to the next, whether they get the first pick or the sixth pick. And the top of my list, personally, let's say that they fall in the four through six bracket. LaMelo Ball mm -hmm. is probably going to be gone. We'll talk about him in a second. Mm -hmm. But if they fall four through six, my guy is clear, clear standout for me is Tyrese Halliburton out of Iowa State. He's six foot five, about 190 pounds. He's a sophomore. First and foremost, I'm always a proponent of like Ben Simmons point guards. Ben Simmons is 6'10 without shoes on. He's bigger. He's more athletic. He's He's got a bigger wingspan than some centers. He can guard positions one through five. I love swing men that can handle the ball, that can just guard any position and play any position on the floor. So Tyrese Halliburton is 6'5". He's not 6'10", but 6'5 is still a very heighty, I'm going to use the term heighty, point guard he's tall okay, I like point guard. <laughs> six five <laughs> is going to get it done for me as someone that can see over a defender right right so Halliburton shooting 50 percent uh his sophomore year which is impressive to me because he's still putting up 15 points a game almost eight nine assists like he's not just firing this ball at the rim god bless his soul but i don't need a 29 percent mid-range russell westbrook on this team at the very moment um it, tyrese halberton seems to be the perfect complement of being a distributor and being able to score the ball so i love the fact that he's tall i love the fact that he's got basketball athleticism which is different than just standard athleticism he's got experience too i know he's just a sophomore but he's been he ran this point guard position for a year and a half and he's proved that he can be a difference maker at that level. He's raw. He's going to take time like a Kevin Knox or an RJ Barrett, but I see the potential in him to be the Knicks point guard of the future. I, I just don't know how it doesn't work out for him. He seems like the point guard that is probably most NBA ready other than segue LaMelo Ball. And LaMelo right. Ball is going to be, it's such a case-by-case -case basis. So, like, Golden State would never draft him because they have Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Where on earth would he play? Mm -hmm. But if you get to someone like the New York Knicks, who not only desperately need a point guard, not a pass guard, but they need a point guard too, someone that can score the ball from the point guard position, LaMelo Ball has proved to be that guy. But it's LaMelo Ball, and he's got the last name Ball. And that means his father is LeVar Ball. And God bless LeVar Ball, because all he's doing here is looking out for his children to give them a better life. Like, we totally get it. We get the shtick, right? We get the character. Mm -hmm. But can you imagine the Ball family? We saw what happened with Los Angeles and, and Lonzo. LaMelo is like the epitome of LeVar Ball and what he's, these characters that he's built out for his kids. LaMelo Ball loves it. And he would absolutely love the spotlight and the stage platform of new york city Definitely. and madison square garden so i can't sit here and tell you that Lamelo ball like i don't want to i don't want the baggage of the ball family the kid is a talent the kid has been playing professionally now for years he's got i know his competition is lithuania and australia and new zealand but he's still been going up against grown men since he was a young teenager mm -hmm. that does mean a lot to me does he have parts of his game that need work on sure all these guys do but if there's one team out there, I think that can find a way. It would sure be a volatile marriage, but I, I got to tell you, I feel like the sex would be great. <laughs> it's between the Knicks and LaMelo Ball. You know what I mean? Like they would yeah. always fall back on that the highs are going to be a lot higher than the lows will be lower. And when LaMelo Ball goes off for like 25, 15 and 10 in the garden and he's got his, he does some dance that makes the front page of the New York Post. 
I mean, it's going to go viral because it's New York and he's going to thrive off of that. A lot of personalities wouldn't like they, it would be overwhelming. Right. But LaMelo Ball has been not he's only been experiencing this, but he's wanted that. He's wanted that spotlight. He's he clearly he points to the floor before he shoots, pull up half court threes. Like, he loves shit like that, man. So I, I don't know how the Knicks pass on him if he's available. You can't. And you, you mentioned a lot of these, all these prospects have flaws. There's no signature top guy. But at least for LaMelo, he does have a signature trait. His passing, I mean, it's it's very unique. It seems generational how he's able to pass the ball. It's, it's something that's very special. And you're, you're at least knowing that you're bringing in someone who's going to be able to create no matter who's around him. I think it's a fair way to put it. You know, I, I said before, I want a point guard, not a pass guard. But I, that's just a saying I like for Russell Westbrook. Um, but he, but LaMelo Ball really does it all. I mean, he's the Ball family just has a lineage of being able to drop dimes. And with LaMelo's ability to pull from the outside, and as he grew into his 6'8 frame, all of a sudden he can like finish at the rim amongst grown men. That was something he, we couldn't say about him just two, three years ago. So what's he going to be two, three years from now? He's still young. He's still growing. He's still growing his game. So I, I, I want to say that his ceiling is probably higher than anybody on the board. Tyrese Halliburton seems like the sure thing, probably the most like safe NBA ready point guard that you could plug into a system. And you just know he's going to give you exactly what you signed up for. LaMelo Ball, there's going to be some bumps along the road. But if you connect with him, I mean, shit, you hit craps or you hit the you hit the snake eyes and you bet it on the board like, oh, my God, is that shit going to pay out? You know, in a team like the Knicks, do you want to build around someone that's a little bit safer or do you want to roll the dice on this marriage working out long term? Because he feels like the only guy with like true superstar power, right? At this very moment, he we can be proved wrong once we get to the season. Like hell, Cole Anthony can come out of nowhere and be like this undersized point guard that just rules all. But at this very moment when we're recording this podcast, I feel like LaMelo Ball in New York has the highest potential of any player. LaMelo Ball in Detroit, LaMelo Ball in Cleveland, maybe not so much, but LaMelo Ball in New York City, yes, I would say is probably the most powerful superhero on this board. In- inject that into my veins. Now, I'm pretty sure during this quarantine, you've had plenty of time to just get on YouTube and search guys and, and be like, okay, let me, see, let me see what this player looks like as you anticipate and wait for the NBA draft for the Knicks. So, who all, who name some other players who, you know, comes to your mind that you wouldn't mind the Knicks drafting besides LaMelo or uh, Halle Burton? Well, the answer, the obvious answer to the question here is Anthony Edwards, who's probably going to be on many people's boards as the top pick or in the top three. And I know that's obvious answer to say here, but it's the name that is going to resonate with a lot of people here who don't religiously watch college basketball. And hey, here's the most important thing. He just signed with Clutch Sports. It kind of flew under the radar, but it just happened 48 hours ago. Anthony Edwards being a Clutch Sports client is a big deal, believe it or not. If you are a Clutch Sports client, that is very much a family that is very much connected to LeBron James. And if you're the New York Knicks with aspirations of building a super team, potentially signing Bronny Jr. one day, you want to kind of stack the deck and build that relationship back with LeBron James, which you've never had and have burned the bridge many times in the past. And if that means taking on clutch clients, paying them, treating them right, you got to start somewhere. 
right? You may, you may have missed out on LeBron James himself, but that doesn't mean you can miss out on LeBron James post-basketball life and everything else that's attached to him. By getting Anthony Edwards in-house, you get a major clutch client who's going to be, I assume, is going to get a massive deal at some point and is going to be a very valued uh, uh, guy on their roster. So the fact that they have so much power now when it comes to like picking where we want to go and who we want to play with, guys are always chatting it up with each other and like, who's my, I want to play with my friends. That seems to be the theme that is going to just always reign true no matter how the NBA evolves. You want to be in with clutch, okay? That's why Anthony Edwards is now clearly probably the number one pick because he's in with clutch. And that's a big deal for me. It may not be as big of a deal with other people, but I see the long-term value of that. You're definitely so you got, right. Cl- clutch isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's only good. It, it'll be the size of a CAA or uh, an octagon or a WME because look, all these guys just want to be a part of LeBron James's empire. And it's not just, I want to be with the cool kids. I want to play with the, the Ben Simmons and all of these, everyone else that's signed with Clutch. But if you sign with Clutch, that means you're also a part of Spring Hill and the Uninterrupted. And LeBron James mm-hmm. is such a powerful voice with social justice. Like being associated with that carries so much value. So just getting in and building the relationship with that is important from a business standpoint, which will uh, which will translate directly to the court at some point as well if you're getting the really good players who are signing with clutch so i'm just thinking in terms of like chess moves here like three steps down the road if i have anthony edwards that may mean another clutch player when they become a free agent and who knows who their roster is going to be because Mm -hmm. in three years they have may have the entire league everyone probably wants to sign with them you know at some point um so that's just personal thoughts regarding him and he's a really good player on top of it so let's not Let's not forget that. Yeah, um, he's a very talented player. If, if he can, if he can get all the bring all the tools together and, and get his basketball IQ up to par with the tools, the physical gifts he has, he's going to be very dangerous. Right. And the and the other two guys for me, I can only speak to experience of uh, the YouTube searches and watching them on TV because mm-hmm. I'm watching NBA while a lot of these college games are going on. I think the big question mark is going to be where James Wiseman falls. I mean, did we see enough from him uh, in those very few games in Memphis to make it worthy that he's a top five pick? Can he stay healthy? Can can a seven foot one, 235 pound center live in today's NBA of small ball and uh, positionless basketball? It seems really difficult to unless you are someone like a Mitchell Robinson, a JaVale McGee, someone that has just insane athleticism, you have to be able to prove that. I don't think James Wiseman is at that level in terms of being just basketball gifted in terms of talents like inside of his own body compared to those other guys that have succeeded. So he's a huge question mark. I feel like he could fall anywhere between two and 10, depending on the team, if they want to you know, roll the dice on him. And then on the complete other end of the spectrum, You've got Cole Anthony, my guy who's clearly NBA ready, but he is undersized. Like he's barely six foot three with shoes on. He's little. Is he going to be able to finish at the rim at the pro level like he did in college? Because if you're operating under the rim and you're not, your name is not Kyrie Irving, we take for granted, man, how easy the pros make it look finishing at the rim. Have you ever watched a YMCA game? Like with <laughs> old rec players from Division Two colleges twenty years ago, they can't finish at the rim. It looks like you're watching 
watching someone play NBA 2K say, for the first time on Pro. You'll see you know four I mean? or five back-to-back -back possessions where somebody just smokes a layup at the rim. Oh my God. <laughs> and I, God bless you. I mean, we're all guilty of it, but there's a huge talent gap difference there between uh, the college level and the pro level. And it is most exposed finishing at the rim. There are trees. There is a forest down low that you have to find a way to finish over, even if they're not seven feet. You got dudes jumping 14 feet in the air to influence your shot, let alone block it. So you have to be able to finish at the rim to be a successful undersized player. There was only one dude who was able to be an elite all-star guard and operate outside and be six feet tall. And his name is Chris Paul. Like, is the only guy that has survived year after year after year because he is different. He's a defensive wizard and he's smarter than you with a basketball brain. Okay. Mm -hmm. But if you're six feet tall and you don't have hops like Derrick Rose, it's going to be really difficult to finish at the rim and you're going to get abused on the defensive side. What are some more examples of this? You've got Isaiah Thomas during his Boston Celtics days, right? Where he right. was dropping 45 a night, but he had to drop that 45 to make up for what he was giving back on defense because he would just mm -hmm. get exposed in the post. The same is happening to Trey Young, who's clearly a great player, but teams go out of their way to just back him down and take advantage of him on the defensive side. So he has to be able to go crazy offensively to make up for it. Those yeah. same concerns for me translate to Cole Anthony, big North Carolina guy. I love, love him to death, but man, is he going to have to play well offensively to be worth it? Yep. Yep. It's like you mentioned Isaiah Thomas, same things happen to, to Steph Curry. I mean, teams go out the way to get to switch on Steph and you get to switch on Damian Lillard, other guys like that. But if Cole Anthony can turn out to be a guy who can put up buckets and make it worth it, then ultimately it'll be worth it in the long run. But, um, I'm going off on a tangent. You mentioned a few minutes ago about the LeBron James situation and clutch sports. The article came out about how the Knicks were LeBron's top choice in 2010 mm -hmm. when everything started. How did how did you feel when you found out y'all really legitimately had a chance of signing LeBron until the terrible meeting? It's nothing new, to be honest. I, I've known for some time that the Knicks were were the top choice every time it's it's like it's scrolling past your ex getting remarried on instagram it's like, <laughs> oh, you're like i didn't want to see it. sometimes i didn't choose to see this but if it's presented to me then yeah i'm gonna have a reaction to it it's nothing new i just don't want to see this information sometimes <laughs> regarding lebron like yeah i the knicks were in play and they don't make all of those moves in 2010 and take on tracy mcgrady and trade away all of their draft picks just to clear space if they didn't think LeBron was legitimately coming. Uh, they messed, They clearly messed up the meeting because that's what the Knicks do best. But um, yeah, like why wouldn't you want to go to New York? It's the biggest city with the biggest microphone on the biggest stage in the most famous arena. And if you, if you are the one to resurrect basketball in New York, you will be, you want to talk about legacies and statues, you will be honored and remembered forever like the upside is ridiculous and why hasn't anyone done that yet because you make it sound so great because working with james dolan has proved to be a near impossibility so i see that information and yeah it sucks because you know what in another alternate universe when the knicks get a different chance at it and dolan decides to sit out the meeting maybe they go about it a little bit differently maybe there's potential that new york has lebron james 
in uniform and they become the dynasty of the 2010s but there sure seems to be a lot of hindsight in the nba especially with the knicks and i would i would never sleep if it, you know it bothered me this is just another day ending in why in the life of a knicks fan i feel that i feel that now to just get back to talking just straight basketball you mentioned you watch a lot of nba games is there anybody any players on other teams maybe like some young guys who just haven't blossomed yet that you would love to see on the Knicks and possibly be able to break out on the Knicks. Hmm. Okay, so let's narrow the pool down here. You're you're saying young guys. Yeah, uh, some young guys you can see that that haven't blossomed yet, or um, we can even just really yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll narrow the pool. We'll say something. Okay, okay I, I think I have a good example here. So I'm going to narrow the pool to guys that are still on their rookie deals, meaning they're within the first four years of mm-hmm. their their contract, their first contract. Um, and it has to be a guy that's probably gettable. I'm not going to throw the name Luka Doncic out there because, of right. course, I would love the Knicks to have Luka Doncic. Uh, here's a realistic possibility, and I, I think it's been discussed in the past. But I would be really interested to see Malik Monk in a New York Knicks uniform because I watched this guy bury, just thrive and lust for spotlights at Kentucky. Like, he wanted the last shot, even with De'Aaron Fox on his team, it was always Malik Monk that had the ball in his hands and wanted wanted that moment. Like there's a difference between thriving in the moment and wanting the moment. He wanted, he, he had both covered. So you put him, he's in Charlotte where he's buried in a rotation of a bunch of mediocre veterans that is getting no attention whatsoever. He's got some off the court issues. He's kind of faded into just irrelevancy. And you could probably get him for 60 cents on the dollar of, of his value compared to when he probably came into the league. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't mind the Knicks going out and just taking a flyer on him. It's not going to cost you a whole lot. And you got plenty of draft picks to, to, to spend. And do you think you can draft a player that is better than the current Malik Monk? I, I think he is a microwave scorer that if given the right opportunity can just go off, be one of those completely random NBA stats when you remember that Corey Brewer one night had 50 points. Like, that's a fact. One night Malik Monk can just go off for 56 and everyone would be like, what? Is that a typo? He has that type of talent. I know it's in there and I want him to get a shot before it's too late. And the place to do that, he would be beloved in New York City. Microwave scores are always beloved. Uh, so that's nice. probably the guy, the answer to your question and the most realistic possibility of just, just give him the rock for a game and let's see what happens. I like that pick. I mean, he showed at Kentucky from minutes, some flashes. He looked like Ray Allen for a second, how he was just coming off the screens and knocking down shots and getting to the rack and finishing like a young Ray Allen. So if, you, if the Knicks could get him and tap into that ability, because I'm pretty sure, like you mentioned, he's, he's stuck in Charlotte. I think he would lock in if he was in New York. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many of these these guys, when they get a new opportunity on a new team, just like look completely different player. It's inexplicable. You just need to change of scenery sometimes when you're at a job you don't like and you get a new boss and things just change. I, I it's it, it makes too much D'Angelo sense Russell. to happen. De- yeah. D'Angelo Russell, another great example. It's happened so many times in the past. Um, but yeah, I I, it, I can't think of anyone else who's actually gettable. Because if you show any sort of potential on a uh, on a rookie contract, let's use Jonathan Isaac as an example here. Mm-hmm. Like they would never on any planet trade Jonathan Isaac. That's not a name that anyone besides who pets like you, me and people listening to this that would know like walking down the street. Who's Jonathan Isaac? Ninety nine out of 100 people are not going to know the answer to that question. Uh, 
But Jonathan Isaac has crazy potential. He's going to be in the conversation for Defensive Player of the Year. And regardless if he gets hurt or what stats he puts up on a completely irrelevant Orlando Magic team, everyone knows what he's worth. So you're not going to get him. There's only so many dudes out there that are actually tradable. Malik Monk is most certainly on that list. Definitely, definitely. Well, I feel feel pretty good now with you helping me um, as interim GM of the Knicks. What direction we can go? Um, definitely feeling at the top of the top of the board. If you get the top pick, Lamelo Ball, like you said, he has the highest upside, I believe, of all these players with this ability to pass. And hey, honestly, I think he has a way to be a, a two-way star. A lot of people knock his defense, but I mean, coming into the league, nobody saw Lonzo become the defensive player he is now. And LaMelo is taller than Lonzo. And if he, six eight. Six eight. If he learns how to just use that, just stay in front of people and use that length in passing lanes and get passing lane steals, he can get two steals a game easily. Mm-hmm. And so, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you something right now. You, you mentioned if you got LaMelo as the top pick. Uh, because this draft is not top heavy, here's a little secret. You do not want the top pick in this draft. <laughs> you do not want the top pick. And there's a reason for it. The top pick in the NBA makes a shit ton of money. Markel Fultz pulls in like $12.5 million still, despite everything that he's been through and how many trades and all the playtime that he gets. He did a great resurgence. He gets paid like he's a mid-level exception veteran that's been in the league for 10 years because Ooh. he's the number one pick. So if you draft LaMelo Ball at number one, you're going to be paying him $12 million for four years, as opposed to, let's say, a number four, number five pick that you can get for, let's say, seven to eight. Like there's a bit, that is a big, big difference in a league, which is hard capped. And the cap, by the way, is going to plummet after all that the NBA has been through this season. So yes. those four to $5 million could be someone that you, the four to $5 million you need to make a massive deal happen. You don't want the number one pick because the number one pick is probably not worth the amount of money that number one makes. I don't know if Anthony Edwards is worth the full max rookie contract. Mm-hmm. Like he, he can be a good player, but I would want the number three pick because I I want to use those $4 million in cap room somewhere else. Definitely. Definitely. And I appreciate you, Rob. This it's been fun. It, it's, it's always good to talk basketball. You know, even even though there's no basketball going on right now, it makes it even more better to talk basketball, to talk hoops. And man, it fills the day. And we, uh, I, I know I, I could use a distraction today specifically, and uh, hopefully people listening to this too uh, know that there's more important things going on in the world, but sometimes just taking 30 to 45 minutes to, to talk hoops can be uh, therapeutic. So I certainly appreciate you having me on. Definitely, definitely. We'll have to do this again sometime soon. Maybe, you know, since the season is going to be starting here in a little bit, do a little preview of how we think everything's going to play out. So, no doubt, man. Appreciate you. I'll holler at you later. Everybody, we hope you enjoyed this. This is the end of the checkup with Chris Bolton. Holler at you.